Well, this morning, Pastor Sheldon will continue in our season um, series, uh, Knowing God's Heart. And God has a purpose for each and every one of us. He has a plan. But sometimes we feel like, "Mm, I'm not part of that plan. I don't know if I fit or not. Well, we all fit in His plan. Well, good morning, everyone. We're here at New Hope Christian Fellowship. One of the pillars that we operate on is DCAT, or doing church as a team. And we understand here at New Hope that there's no such thing as a lone ranger, but rather everyone has been given a gift, a talent, and a passion that's to be discovered, developed, and then deployed, all for His glory. It's like God created this puzzle and provided Every piece that we would ever need right here in Waikiuka at New Hope Christian Fellowship. And then he said, go, work together and find your fit and complete this beautiful picture that I myself had designed. Now, of course, like any real puzzle, sometimes there are missing pieces. You know, maybe it got vacuumed up during the everyday chores, or maybe the dog ate it. Or maybe someone chose not to take their place. Or maybe they haven't found God yet and His perfect plan for their lives. And whatever the case may be, it can be really, really frustrating when there are missing pieces. Alohi, what what are you doing? Um, my piece is broken. Your piece is broken? I don't know what to do. Hmm. You know, Alohi... God can and will use broken pieces too. I see that. You see, every single piece matters to God. That is so true. That every single piece matters to God. And sometimes we feel that we don't play a part in the big picture of things because we feel that we don't fit. Or we feel like people are going to judge us. Or that when we come to God, that He's going to look at our life and say, you're no good. And so we actually hesitate even coming to know the God who says He loves us. Sometimes people don't want to attend church because they feel that people are going to judge them. And, and, and maybe they feel like, because they know their past, that everybody else knows their past too. I remember when I first started to come to church, I thought to myself, boy, I don't know if they're going to accept me there. The way I dressed, the way I spoke, and I thought, I I don't know. And then when I came to church, I felt like people were staring at me. You know, I felt like they were looking at me and, oh, they know that I'm living in sin. They know that I'm doing bad things. I know they know. Even the pastor knows because when he speaks, he talks about me. That's exactly what I'm going through. And so I would think in that kind of way. And I would actually have a hard time even coming to church. 
the very place that God's love should be shown. It was a difficult time. But then I began to understand that it wasn't about how I viewed other people viewing me. It was about how God viewed me and how He loved me with an unconditional love, that He loved me just as I am, that He sees me a part of His big picture that He's putting together. And even though I may have been broken or I was ashamed of some things that I did, God still could use a broken heart. And I thought, there's got to be more to my life than just living and existing. See, God created us for a purpose. Did you know that everything that has a brand to it, every brand name, needs something in order for it to be what it is? Let's take a look at this first picture up here on the screen. What is that? It's a shoe. How much does it cost? Uh, maybe $15. Okay, that's, a, that's just a shoe worth maybe, I don't know, $15, $20. Probably cost about $8 to make the materials. But let's look at the next picture. Now what is that? Yeah, it's a Nike shoe. How much is that worth? Yeah, $70, $70 million. That's how much it's worth. But you can see, once you put the logo on it, it changes everything. It doesn't cost much to make, but it costs a lot to purchase. Let's look at this next picture. Okay? Regular phone. There's some, um, some technological things in there. There's a touch screen. There's some uh, diodes and other things. <laughs> I don't know electronics. And it's made out of some kind of hard plastic. Uh, the screen is a special kind of glass. I forget what it's called. Some kind of an animated polyalloy, something like that. But it's, that's what it is. And it costs maybe about, maybe I don't know, $35 to make, maybe $50 to make with the technology included and all of that. But let's see what it is. It's an iPhone. We know that. Now how much does it cost? Yeah, $500. So it, the, the price changes once you put the logo on it. And of course, what it does. There's so many things that a, an iPhone can do that makes it that much more expensive. But in order for it to be worth that much, they need the logo on it. Makes a big difference. Same technology as other phones. But it's just how they market it and the company name and what they believe in that makes it that much more expensive. Okay, let's take a, take a look at the next picture. What is this? New Hope Church. Okay. That right there is worth, I believe, $3.5 million. This whole facility, this campus, I believe it was around there. $3.5 million. Now let's see what it looks like with its logo on it. That's church. And how much more valuable is this place now? Priceless. Why? Because Christ died for us, the church. Church is not a place we go to. Church is something we are. And regardless of our background, regardless of our peace and what part we play in the kingdom of God, regardless if we're broken people or we made mistakes or we have a past, regardless of that, we're priceless in the sight of God. For God so loved the missing piece that He gave His one and only Son 
that anyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. You see, in God's kingdom, it's so much more than attending a building. It's being the church. We're continuing in the series, The Heart of God, and we want to look at the missing piece this morning because in the kingdom of God, although His plan is perfect, He uses imperfect people to accomplish His perfect plan. And that's you and I. And we want to look at today how we can be people who understand the purpose that God gave to us as people who believe in Him. And if you're new this morning and you're wondering, well, I don't know what part I play in this. I don't know, I, I, I don't know God yet. I don't have that tight relationship with Him. I'm far from God. Or I come to church because my parents come to church and this is what we do. But I have yet to build my relationship with Jesus. How do I fit in this? And that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about how we can play a part in God's big picture of this puzzle that He's putting together in being that missing piece. See, the Bible puts it in this way in Romans 6.23, and it's in your notes. It says that the wages of sin is death. But there's a free gift, and the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there's a free gift that God gives to us. It's called eternal life. It's free for us, but it costed God's Son his life. See, you're more valuable than you, than you realize. Regardless of what people have said to you or what you believe or your past or your behavior patterns today, you're who God calls priceless. That you're that valuable to God. doesn't matter what people say about you. What matters most is what God did for us. That proves our worthiness. Sure, we fall short of God's glory, but it doesn't mean that we fall short of His hand. And He's always reaching out to us. And I thought, well, if God gives us this free gift of eternal life, then why doesn't He take us home after He gives us eternal life through salvation in Jesus Christ? Why doesn't, it, why doesn't God just say to us, okay, you received Jesus Christ, now... Because it's a free gift of eternity, you're home now, you're in heaven. Why doesn't He do that? Why does He just leave us here in this world that we live in? If it was true that everything about salvation was about eternity, then we'd go home the moment we say yes to Jesus Christ. But there must be a reason why we're still here after we receive Jesus Christ. There has to be a reason that God doesn't just take us home. See, there are missing pieces everywhere. We were once missing pieces in God's kingdom, but someone found us. Jesus found us. Every single piece matters in a puzzle, doesn't it? I mean, you don't get that last piece in. You get frustrated. You blame the kids. You look for the dog. You blame everybody. The missing piece in God's kingdom are people. And they matter to God's eternal plan. I hear often that people would say, Boy, but I, you know, I, I just need more meat. If I could just get more meat, I'm not, like, it's like, I'm not being fed enough. I need more meat. I need to be fed. And, 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 uh, and some people will come up to me and say, you know, I'm, just, I'm missing something. I'm not being fed. 
I say, well, what, what do you mean by that? So I try to at least get an idea. What do you mean by not being fed? Why? It's like I need more spiritual meat or more, I don't know, scripture or, or more Bible studies or I don't know. It's just like I'm, I'm missing something. And I say, well, what, what do you mean by more, being more fed? Well, I don't feel like I'm getting fed on, on, uh, when I come to church. And I don't know, it just feels like I need more spiritual growth. And sometimes I'll press in and I'll say, so, so let me get the picture. Then you feel like you're not being spiritually fed enough. Yeah. And I'll ask this question. So who are you discipling? Well, what do you mean, who am I discipling? Yeah, like who are you? Who are you raising up in the ways of the Lord? Who are you, who are you um, loving on? And, and, and uh, how many people are you, are you connecting to Christ? How, how are you doing that? Oh, that's not me. I leave that up to the pastors. Just, I can't do that. No, but what, like, how are you discipling people? Are you, are you raising them up to know the Lord? No, I, I'm not ready for that. I need more meat. I've got to be fed more. And after a while, I begin to think, it's not that you want to be fed more. It's that you're not doing what the Bible says to do in making disciples. It's like a sponge. You can only put so much water in it before it gets saturated. And it doesn't matter how much more water you feed it. It's never going to be enough. Because it's supposed to be squeezed out. Then you can absorb. In the Middle East, there's a sea called the Dead Sea. The reason why it's dead is because there's no outlet it's all the water coming in, getting evaporated, and then all the minerals stay there. So there's nothing living in there because it's too rich in minerals. There's nothing that can survive in there. And we can become dead Christians that we think that we need to be fed and fed and fed and fed. After a while, I'm just this overweight spiritual Christian. And I really am ineffective, I'm unhealthy. The way I become healthier is I start to disciple other people. I start to reach out to people in the world. I start to reach out to people at work, people in the community. Yeah, but they don't receive what I'm saying. Why not? It's the greatest news in the world. Well, because they say, you know, I'm a hypocrite. Well, do something about it. Change. Just figure something out. See, it's really not about the intake. It's about the output. When... Let's just say we're all starving, which many of us are. I can see by your faces right now. Let's just say we're starving. We didn't eat for days. Well, somebody comes with a huge pan of fried rice or noodles or poke or fried fish or your favorite dish. Maybe a steak of some sort, prime rib, shrimp scampi. Something, yeah, something good. Think of something. But they gave you so much that you could feed yourself and you could feed other people. What would you do? Now, many of us, we would probably eat first so we have the strength to go and feed other people. But very rarely would we keep the food for ourselves. We would feed other people. We won't need more food. We won't have to say, no, I need more food. I need more food. No, we, we have enough to feed other people. God said it himself, my grace is sufficient. And so we take what God gives to us, and then we go and spread it out to the rest of the world. Well, how do we do that? Because we don't want to be people who just get fed. We want to be people who feed other people too. We want to be people who love others. We want to be people who welcome other people into the kingdom of God. 
And sometimes we fail at that because we, we misunderstand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We think a disciple is somebody who learns from Jesus Christ. That's a part of it. But a disciple is someone who learns, but in turn teaches others also. Now, you may not be a teacher. That may not be your gift. But you have a gift called a lifestyle. That people can watch your lifestyle, and then by that, they would say, Boy, there's a God somewhere. There's a God, because if this guy can change his life, then that must mean that God is doing something wonderful. Then maybe they come to know Jesus Christ. Maybe they come into a relationship with God. Maybe they begin to understand the big picture that they're a part of. But it starts with us. See, we don't have enough kind of love to love people with to draw them close to God. If we only love people with a human kind of love, then it only goes so far. But if we receive the love of God, now there's a different kind of love in that. And now it's a love that's eternal, a love that's bold, a love that's powerful. And that's the kind of love God calls us to love others with. If you're taking notes, you can write this in number one. To love others, learn to love others with the love of God. With God's love. Learn to love people with God's love. Because it takes a bold love. It takes a courageous love. It takes an undying passion for people. And without God's love, our passion for people end the moment they cause trouble. The moment they bite back. The moment they offend you. You stop. The moment you feel somebody judges you or you come across another Christian that offends you, you stop. And God says, "That's no, that you're, you're loving people with the wrong kind of love. That kind of love should come from me because it's an unconditional kind of love. It's a love that never ends. It's a perfect kind of love. 1 John 4, 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, Because as He is, so are we in this world. See, we're supposed to be like God in this world. We're not supposed to be like the world in His kingdom. We're supposed to be like Him to the rest of the world. See, the world doesn't have enough good news to broadcast to bring good news. Only God can bring good news that lasts for all of eternity. And people are looking for good news. People are looking for somebody or something that will will have that fearless confidence in them, that will not give up on them. You see, when I love someone with the love of God, then I really have no expectations on them. Because if I love people with a, with a human kind of love, then I expect better from them. And I expect their very best. And if they don't match that, then I get upset. And once I put an expectation on someone, I set myself up for resentment. Someone once told me, expectations are premeditated resentments. You're setting yourself up to be resentful when someone doesn't meet your expectation. But the love of God, there's, there's a difference there. It's like you love people where they're at. There's no expectations on them. I remember this, uh, when we first moved to our home about six years ago, 
that, you know, neighbors would be passing you by and, and you try to be friendly in the neighborhood because you're new and you try to make friends with people. And there's this one guy that would pass us all the time and I would wave and he'd never wave. And I think, oh, maybe he doesn't see me. Maybe the glare on my, my windshield, he can't see. And, and so I would wave, you know, big and, and more, you know, obvious. And still he would not wave. After a while, I think, maybe he doesn't see me. So I would roll down my window and stick out my arm. Hey, how's it? Brother, beep, beep. Nothing, nothing. He just drives. In fact, one day he looked at me. And I waved. And he looked and he turned away and he drove straight. And I was thinking, whatever. You know, like, wave to me. Whatever. I'll go wave back to you. Waste time. And then I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to have an expectation. I'll just wave. And if he waves, great. If not, then he doesn't. But I'm going to do my very best to show him the love of God. Now, he doesn't know I'm a Christian, I think. And he doesn't know why I'm waving. But I just felt that's something that I I do. I, I need to apply what God teaches me. Even as a pastor, I must do these things. Because God said so. So I would drive past him all the time. The other day, this is last week, probably Friday or Thursday, I'm passing him by and I'm just waving normally. He waves back. And he waved back. I'm like, oh, he waved. Hey, who's it? Who's it? Hey, how's it? Hey. And I'm thinking, he waved after six long years. He waved. And it was, it was like the greatest thing in the world. I said, he waved at me. I was all by myself, feeling kind of weird, but he, he did. He waved. And then I thought, maybe one day he'll be in church. And I thought, hey, hang on, hang on, no expectations. Simmer down, relax, just calm down. He waved, leave it at that. And I thought, when I put expectations on people, that's when I get let down. But if I love people with the love of God, then I really don't have an expectation. I do it because God said so. And whatever they choose to do, it's on them. But I understand that there's a different kind of love that God asks us to love people with. 1 John four sixteen it says, and, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. See, when I'm loving people with the love of God, then I begin to know God. Because it's not something that I just try. It's something that we live. That we are the church. God called us to be people that infiltrate this world. And that we're going to be people who have the love of God. Because God is love. And sometimes we'll see people who, they're loving, they're kind, they're like the, most, the greatest people in the world. They're the most friendliest people, but they don't know Jesus Christ or go to church or they don't know God. And we say, oh, so-and-so, they're so nice. Oh, they're so, they're so nice, they're kind, they're always friendly. Too bad, yeah, they don't know Jesus. Oh, it would be so great if they came to church, Yeah. And we think that because they don't come to church, that they're bad people. Sometimes non-Christians love people better than Christians who are supposed to love people. And I thought, Lord, why do you have them on earth then? And he says, because I'm trying to teach you something. Well, how come they don't come to church then? Because, you know, if they came to church, then you could utilize them more. And you know, I remember this one time God says, because I don't want to damage them right now. I said, what? 
He said, I'm not slow about my promises, as some count slowness. But, but my desire is that none shall perish, but that everyone comes to repentance. I'm not slow about my promise. It'll come. But he's waiting for us to come to repentance. So we change the way we think about someone who we see perishing. That he's waiting for us to come to a place of repentance so that when the world sees us change, they will understand that there's a God who can help them change. See, the missing pieces are all over the place. But they're looking for those who are already so-called fit in the kingdom of God to represent the kingdom of God. Because by this, as John 13, 35 in your notes, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You can circle that word this, and if you're a little artistic, draw a line to the word love and put an arrow. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, my discipleship program is all about love. Because we're supposed to represent Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be, as the Bible says, His ambassador. We're supposed to be the ones fulfilling the duty of an ambassador. And if you're taking notes, write that in number two. For us to learn to, to fulfill the duty of an ambassador. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how long you've known Christ. You're an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who represents someone else or another country. You're coming in the name of your country, in the name of that president, in the name of that person who is in leadership. And so, for us, we come in the name of the Lord. Because we represent Him. We're His ambassador. We're the ones that He's using to come into this world. We're the ones that God says, you're, the, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to do a great job in reaching people because you represent me. It's not on us. We, I don't represent myself. We don't go into the world representing ourselves. We represent Jesus Christ. And i got to understand that as, somebody who, as someone who believes in God, as a Christian, I must understand that I represent Jesus. I don't just call myself a Christian because I believe in Jesus Christ. I call myself a Christian because I must model Jesus Christ. Listen, even the devil himself believes in Jesus Christ. He knows Jesus Christ. But it's us who are transformed by Jesus Christ that we put our faith in Jesus Christ to live a life that He purposed for us. Because we're the ones He called to infiltrate the rest of the world. Now what if I'm new and I don't know Jesus? How does this relate to me? How do I play a part in this big picture? Well, just know this, first of all, that this service may have been put together by God Himself specifically for you. To let you know how valuable you are in His kingdom. That He has an eternal purpose for you. That there's a free gift called salvation that is freely given to each person. You can receive it or you can reject it. It's your choice. But it could very well be that He brought you here today to let you know that He loves you and He has a perfect plan for you. For some, we may look at it as, boy, I, I need to learn some things. 
I need to I need to change some things about me. But we may all be thinking, well, God wants to use me? Really? I, I mean, with all my flaws, with all my, my setbacks, my past, what about my behavior, my character? I mean, I can't, I can't be the person to let people know about Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm the last person that should be telling people about Jesus. Well, why is that? Well, because um, I, I, I don't live as best as I should as a Christian. And if I start telling people that, about Jesus Christ, they're going to look at me like, you believe in Jesus Christ? You're such a hypocrite. And so we actually stop and we say, well, I'm not the person because I, I, no, that's not me. I don't want to be hypocritical. Tell people one thing and I'm not living the lifestyle. Listen, people will call you hypocritical whether you're a new Christian or a seasoned Christian. Regardless. They're going to they're gonna say things all the time. Hey, you did this, you did that, you did this. They're always going to do that. But Jesus said, how blessed you will be if you're persecuted on my behalf. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you're going to be persecuted anyway. Might as well be for something eternal. Might as well be something for my sake. It might as well be while you're being an ambassador for me. It might as well be where you're, because you're doing your very best to let people know that God changed your life, even though it may not be a drastic change, you're letting them know the good news of salvation. Yeah, but I don't, I, I, you know, if I start telling them I'm, I, I go to church, then maybe they're not going to talk to me anymore. You don't know that. You just never know. And I've lost some friends in the, in the past when, when I started to come to church and come, came to know Christ. But you know, many of them came to know Jesus Christ because Christ seen something in them and their potential. And who knows, they may say, boy, if you can change, then God must love me too. If you can change, then I can change. If, if, if God accepts you, then I'm sure He can accept me. You just never know. But our goal is not to predict what people will say about us. Our goal is to represent Jesus Christ and let Him take care of that. See, when we fix our eyes on Jesus and not other people, He authors our faith and He perfects it. He writes out the next chapter. We don't write that. He does that. And so we leave it up to Him. Paul the Apostle was someone like that. Remember before he came to know Jesus Christ, he had this vision and, and he met Christ and, and Christ said, why are you persecuting me? And, and Paul, his name was Saul at that time, said, well, what do you mean? And so he came into this conversion. His life was transformed. And, and now Paul started to do what Christ called him to do. He was an instrument of God. But many of the believers said, no, not that guy. Come on, not him. The other week he was killing Christians. The other week he was putting Christians in prison. I don't trust that guy. No way. That cannot be the guy. But Paul continued on the course that God set for him. In fact, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.16, he says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. In our language, would be like, oh, oh, eh. Putting me. If I, don't, if I don't tell people the good news of Jesus Christ, man, it's like lose money. Waste time. If, I don't, if, I don't, if I'm not compelled to, to let people know how great God is with my life, man, what, what am I doing on this earth? God, my life has to have more purpose than that. 
that we are compelled to preach the good news. People are looking for good news. See, the world does not have enough good news to broadcast, but we do because of God Himself. People are looking for people who have good news. And sometimes we will blend in with the world because we don't know how to respond. We just respond with our flesh. And then we battle with that. Heidi and I were eating at this restaurant some time ago, and I was in the mainland, we were traveling, and, and we sat in there, and it wasn't that busy, and it was a nice place. Well, the waitress comes over, and she just walks over to us as we're sitting down. She walks over, and she goes, yeah, drinks. And then we said, ah, uh, sure. And Heidi ordered, you know, a, a Diet Coke. I ordered water. I said, no, I'm fine with water. And she said, And she walks away. And Heidi says, I think she's a little grouchy. I said, no, I think maybe, maybe that's how she is. Maybe that's their culture. Maybe, maybe we're so aloha in Hawaii that everybody else is mean. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just so great at home. I don't know. And then she came back, gave us some menus. And then I said, excuse me, do you guys have any malt shakes? No. And she walks away. And I said, Heidi, I think she is a little grouchy. I said, okay, here's the, here's, the, here's the game. Here's the plan. Let's see if we can put a smile on her face. And Heidi said, I can put something on her face. No, she didn't, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. She did not say that. I'm sure she thought it. No, no. But I said, okay, that's the game. We've got to put a smile on her face. Easy, Heidi, easy. And I said, let's put a smile on her face. So after a while, she would come back, check up on us, and, I, and then we would talk to her. And then, and then we said, so you live around here? Yeah. Uh, do you go to school a little bit? And oh, it's kind of, you know, hardcore, this person, you know, some rough edges. And then uh, we started to talk a little bit. And she said, are you guys visiting here? And he goes, yeah. She goes, what are you here for? And it was a church conference, a convention. And I think, how am I going to word this? Um, well, every once a year, our church denomination... And the senior pastors and some of the leaders, uh, we go to this convention, and we're a four-square. That's our denomination. And so we, we, we gather together once a year to be resharpened, renewed, and to learn the heart and vision of the direction that we're going in. And she goes, oh, where are you guys from? And we said, oh, we're from Hawaii. Hawaii? You guys are from Hawaii? Yeah, I love Hawaii. We had scuba diving in Hawaii. I mean, my goodness, like the fishes, the fishes are unreal. I mean, the fishes, I mean, my goodness, so good. And she said, oh, we would love, my boyfriend and I would love to go back to Hawaii and go skydiving. Have you ever went skydiving? I said, no, no. She goes, why not? I said, uh, I'm not afraid of skydiving. I'm afraid of landing. So I don't, I, I, I'm just, I'm fine. And she goes, oh man, oh, I'd love to come back. And we said, you know, if you came back to Hawaii, then we would take you around. Come visit us. We gave her our church website. We gave her our number. And we said, anytime you come down to Hawaii, you must visit Hilo. You got to come to Hilo. You can go snorkeling in Hilo. Not Bayfront, but you can find another place. And it'll be wonderful. It'll be good. And so we left it at that. And, and she, she was fine. And she walked away with a smile on her face. And I said, she smiled. Heidi said, she smiled at me. And I thought, Lord, we, because we've done this before, we, we behaved like that to them before. 
Because they treat us bad, we say, we're going to treat you bad too then. You don't, you're not going to give me good service, I'm not going to tip you. You're not going to treat me nice, too bad then. I'm going to treat you like how I want to treat you. And God is saying, no, you're missing the point. You're becoming like the world. We are supposed to be as he is. So are we in this world. Every single moment of the day. He called us to be his representatives, to, to, to represent his love into a world that doesn't have the kind of love that he can give. Ephesians 6.20, Paul says, I am in chains now, he's in prison, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. See, he says, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be speaking boldly as we should. Well, we could do many other things, but this is what we should be doing. And he's saying, I'm in prison right now, but I can't help but speak boldly about Jesus Christ. Because I'm supposed to do that. That's who I am. That's who he made me to be as part of his puzzles. That's who I'm supposed to be. That's who he's making me become. That's who I'm supposed to be at work. That's who I'm supposed to be at home. That's who I'm supposed to be in the community. I'm supposed to be like Jesus, just as God is, just as how Christ is. So am I into this world. Sorry to say it, guys, but if you believe in Jesus Christ and you follow him and you're a disciple of Christ, that's our only option in this world. What else are we going to do that has an eternal value to it but to love people into the kingdom of God? No one else will do it. He asked us to do it, and He trusts us to do that as we should every single day of our life. Because God's heart, really, is to reach those who are far from Him. We, we put it this way, and you can write it in your last point, to reach the lost. To reach the lost. See, there's one person, only one person who was courageous enough to reach out to a dying people. There's only one person who was courageous enough, who had, the, who had the, uh, that fearless, bold kind of love to love people. There's only one person who risked it all for the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. He risked everything, put it all on the line, his very own life, in the hopes that the world would find true hope. And he did. God came up with a plan and he said, here's the plan for salvation. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, Jesus came to seek in order to find. He didn't come just to look around. Jesus didn't come into this world to go window shopping. He came to purchase us. And he purchased it with a high cost. Although free for us, it costed his very own life. And he came for us to seek and save that which is lost. Laid it all on the line. Remember the story about the angels 
who came to God and they said, okay, God, we, we, we got it. We got it. Your plan is, is unbelievable. That, that, you know, there's, there's people on the earth that, that they need salvation in order to spend the rest of eternity with you. And that way they're no longer separated from you. And so, yes, you sent Jesus Christ and then, and then he died on the cross, paid for the sins of the world. And then he got resurrected and, and then, but, but you brought him back to heaven. And then, then, then what? I mean, how are people going to know about the good news of salvation? God looked at his drawing board. He said, well, I'm sending the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can work in every single person's life. That every single person will matter in my kingdom. And I'm going to use them to speak into the world that they're going to live for me. They're going to do their very best to let people know about salvation. And the angels were saying, okay, I, you got to get help me on this. So you're saying... The greatest news in the world, the most important decision that anyone could ever make, you gave to fallible creatures. You gave to faulty humans. You gave to people who make mistakes. You gave it to people that, that have selfish motives. You gave it to broken people. God, you got to have another way. God looked at his drawing board and he looked, double-checked, checked everything and looked at the angels and he said, Nope. I have no other way. That's my only option. And it's through you and I. That's God's option. He chose us to represent him well. We can receive it or we can reject it. It's really up to us. See, the things that we do in our life, when we go to work and things like that, we're just in disguise. That's all it is. God just disguises us so that we can reach out to other people. I'm just a construction worker. You, yeah, you think that. He gifted you that way so you could reach other construction workers. Yeah, but we all swear and drink. Well, you can swear and drink and live for Christ. Really? Really? Yeah, but I guarantee you this, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the less you'll want to do those things. Yeah, yeah but at work, you know, we, we have this kind of system, you know, if we all, if we all just kind of gang up in our little groups then, and we all gossip about each other, then, then you know, then we, we're strong that way. You can, still, you can still live for Jesus and gossip. Really? Yeah, but I tell you what, you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to not want to do that anymore. You know, what about, you know, there's the political realm and, uh, you know, we play politics at work or where I am. And you can play politics and, and love Jesus and, and reach out to people with the love of Christ. Really? Yep. But I tell you what, you fall in love with Jesus more and more. You're not going to play politics at work. You're going to serve Christ at work. That's who we are. That's who God made us to be. We heard in our announcement that our New Hope Regatta is coming up on October 1st. And it is an opportunity for us to reach out into the community. And, and part of that, we're going to have our seniors ministry uh, receive some of the proceeds from this. And it's going to go into our seniors ministry. But we also have some of our people who are, are having some craft booths and they're making things like this. I think Dan Craig made this. And this is a beautiful paddle. This one is, I think this is Pastor Aaron's paddle. Kind of small, but... <laughs> hey, he's buff. You don't need a big paddle. But, he, but Dan is not making this and having a craft booth so he makes money. He's making things like this so that he can connect.
into a person's soul. And who knows what will take place with this. Maybe somebody will give this as a gift or someone will put this as a plaque somewhere for someone. And, and people say, where'd you get that? Oh, this guy, Dan, wonderful guy. Really? Where, where'd you meet him? Oh, I met him at this, uh, this regatta. Really? Who put that on? On church. Really? Yeah. Neat guy, though. You got to meet him. You see, everything we do connects to a soul. It's not about things. It's about people. And so when we have our regatta and when we have the wish list, it's not putting a, a, a piece of uh, our name on this block that says, oh, I'll donate a couple bucks to the regatta. I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to invest my finances, even if it's $5. Lord, I'm going to buy a package of hot dogs that maybe a little kid will be hungry that day and they can buy a meal. And who knows what, what God will do with that because everything is connected to a person's life for all of eternity. And so we have our wish list in there, and if God puts it on your heart to participate, check it out. It's an easy way for us to connect. Some of you will be down there. You'll be a part of the race, or, or you'll be one of the steersmen or one of the steerswomen, and you're going to be a part of it. But it's not about winning a race. It's not about our skills. It's about connecting our hearts to people. So the hope is that maybe they find Jesus Christ. Part of the proceeds will also go to one of our organizations in our community, one of our senior organizations, that we're going we're gonna to donate some funds to a senior organization just to bless them in the name of the Lord. It's that simple. It's not a one-shot deal. It's an everyday moment so that we build relationship with our coworkers so that the next day, you're not talking about mundane things or gossiping about people. You're going to talk about what God did that day. And it's an everyday lifestyle. Be a part of what God is doing. And you'll see the love of God just infiltrate everything we do that day. But not just that day. Every single moment of our life. That's who we are and that's who God called us to be. He wants us to partner with Him. As the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 13 through 15, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. He called us to do that. How beautiful are the feet of of the messengers who bring good news. The world needs good news. We have it. I'd say, let's go out there and find the missing piece. Amen? Amen. Put your notes away and close your Bibles. There were these students in Mr. Lasseter's math class. And it was their kind of like winding down to the end of the school year. But there were three guys in that class that fell just a bit short of the final grade that would cause them to graduate. And so they wouldn't be walking the line. John, Ryan, and Bill were discouraged because their dreams of college were down the drain. 
But the teacher believed in their potential. And the teacher said, you know, I, th- I think there's something that can help. And so he said, I, I have a challenge for all of you. I have in this box 30 puzzle pieces. But I need you to break up into teams of three. And here's, here's the assignment. That each team will have to put together a 10-piece puzzle. The problem is they're all mangled up, so you have to find out which one belongs to what. And so he called Thomas, one of the students, and he said, Thomas, why don't you read the rules? Thomas came up and teacher gave him gave an index card and he said, okay, here's the rules, guys. Um, rule number one, everyone must participate. Rule number two, you only have 10 minutes to finish the puzzles and every piece must be put in place or none counts. Number three, you can't speak to each other. Ready? Go. Well, they all ran to the front, poured out the pieces, and they started to scramble and and put the pieces in order, and and they can't speak to each other, so they're whacking each other, and they're trying to take it from each other. Finally, they get it apart, and they start to put it together, and, and, and group number one finishes theirs, group number two finishes theirs, group number three finishes theirs in five minutes. But group number three has one missing piece. And they're... And they can't find the piece. Well, Thomas is looking at Mr. Lasseter and he's just shaking his head thinking, you dirty guy. You left one piece out. Mr. Lasseter turns to Thomas and he said, hey, you forgot rule number four on the back. So, oh, rule number four. Sorry, guys. Uh, the missing piece is hidden somewhere in this room. If I, me, if I, if I find the piece and complete the puzzle, everyone will pass this class, including John, Ryan, and Bill. Well, John, Ryan, and Bill, they're, I have hope now. Maybe, maybe I can graduate. And it's like their whole countenance changed. Mr. Lasseter walked up to Thomas, put his hands on his shoulders, looked him square in the eye and said, go find the missing piece. Their future is depending on you. Let him go. I don't know if Thomas found the peace. But I do know this. That God would say the very same thing to every single one of us. That there are people far from God. Go find the missing peace. Because their future depends on us. You pray with me. Lord, we're so grateful that that you teach us every day on being people who live for you. Lord, there's moments that go by that we may not understand at all, but what we do understand is that you love us unconditionally. And so, Lord, I pray for every single person here this morning that you've given us, you've given us a command. To represent you well. To go and make disciples. To find the missing piece. Help us to do that. Lord, there may be some here this morning that they're a missing piece. Or they felt like they don't fit or they, be, or they don't belong. But now they understand how valuable they are to you. 
And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning that has never connected with you. They've never, they've never said yes to you. That right now would be their opportunity. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, you've never given Him your heart or your life. I want to say a prayer with you. And, and in doing so, you're giving Jesus your heart. And here's the prayer. And God hears your heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. I believe in you, Jesus. That you died on the cross. And you rose again. To give me eternal life. And so I thank you. For the plans that you have for me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just said that prayer, I want to pray with you. And could you just lift a hand real quick? And, and you're just saying, I said yes to Jesus. Good. Anybody else? Good. I said yes to Jesus. Good. Back there. Good. Hold your hands up. The Lord sees your hands. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to you right up here. Good. Right over here. God sees you. God sees you back there. Right here in the front. God sees you. Good. God sees your hand. Right there, God saw your hand. God sees you. You put your hands down. Lord, for all of us who, who understand your love, I'm thankful that those that just said yes to you understand your love too. I pray for them that their walk and their relationship with you will be one that is a journey, one that they continue on and one that they never forget. That as they build their relationship with you, they will understand how valuable they are to you. That your plan for them and your purpose for them is now a new, that they're a new creation. Old things are gone. All things are brand new. May they live this day forward brand new. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.